the Asco Leadership Podcast with Jeff Barton. Hi, I'm Matt Hood. I'm the Chief Executive of Oak National Academy. And I think it's fair to say, Matt, that you know that I've been a bit sceptical about Oak. So it's great we're having this conversation today and we'll talk about some of the new stuff you're doing. But let's just go back in time a little bit. So Oak has its foundations in the pandemic, right? Just remind us what it was intended to do then and then we'll move on to what it's doing now. Yeah, so the early intention was uh, from a group of teachers who wanted to make a contribution um, in the kind of early days of the pandemic. I think we're about two weeks into schools closing for the majority of pupils. It was Easter holidays and we were all staring down a new term where we were going to have to switch the entire school system from an in-person primarily uh, operation to a primarily remote operation. And we'd seen some schools trying to and making some really good progress on doing this and we'd heard about lots of schools that were struggling. And so it was an endeavour in working together and saying, look, like if we've um, created an asynchronous uh, maths lesson for year two, um, we should share that with everybody so that everybody could use it. Uh, we thought it would be a few weeks long. Um, it turns out um, that we had about 20, people's completed about 20 million lessons in that first term. And we then asked head teachers, you know, should we shut up shop now? We were all eating out to help out. Uh, actually, head teachers were pretty convinced that eating out to help out was a bad idea. And um, uh, and they said stay open. But what they said to us was, look, this is only useful for us if the curriculum is an adaptable uh, uh, format for us, which means, unfortunately, you need to make a version of everything. Uh, broadly, 10,000 or so lessons from key stages one to four. Um we thought that that was potentially an impossible endeavour and actually the school system once again stepped up. We worked with about 500 teachers. We made about 10,000 lessons over three weeks of a, of a summer holiday. Um, and to date, pupils have completed about 165-ish, last time I looked, um, million or so lessons. But what we found through uh, that process um, is that uh, we were having this impact on a couple of other things. Uh, the independent evaluation showed we were helping make a contribution to workload reduction and teachers were appreciating, and actually new and early career teachers particularly, were appreciating just seeing models and examples from their peers. What does teaching this particular thing look like? What does a curriculum sequence at key stage two for this subject look like? And so um, uh, our focus has shifted over time into building and creating and sharing those models. Uh, we're still here for remote education. And as you will well know, there are uh, some of our colleagues up and down the country at the moment who can't get into all of their buildings. Um, and, uh, you know, in any given week, we have about 100,000 pupils who are doing some of the, or all of their lessons with us and 30,000 or so teachers. Great. So that sense of mission at a time of national crisis, everybody endorsed that. We were hugely supportive. That scepticism I mentioned starts kicking in when we start talking about extending the time for Oak National Academy. This is just a chance for us to kind of explore. And you've hinted at a little bit of this. So me as a kind of wizened old English teacher knows that actually one of the ways you get better as a teacher is by developing your lesson ideas, testing it out, seeing if it works, seeing if it doesn't work, that Graham Nuttall, Secret Lives of Learners stuff that we quote all the time. And I guess one of the criticisms, therefore, that is levelled at Oak National Academy is, aren't you part of a process of nationalising teaching and deprofessionalising the profession? And if it is the case that you're doing essentially some of the heavy lifting, but teachers have still got the ultimate responsibility for all of this, should you be saying that more explicitly? 
So we try to say that more explicitly. And like what I hope you will see in our messaging communication is absolutely that. I obviously won't comment on your age, Jeff, but I will comment on your wizardness, um, which I think is absolutely right. And I don't believe, we don't believe, none of our partners believe that what we can do, and you know, I set this out in, a, in an op-ed in TES this week, that we can create lessons or curricula that are useful as the final product in an individual school. We use this analogy of making a cup of tea. Um, I think what we can do is provide the tea bag um, and let teachers crack on with making that content, that lesson, that sequence in a way that's right for them. One of the challenges that we have and one of the challenges that teachers face is um, a lot of time is spent on some activities that aren't actually the things that teachers want to be doing or the things that are the highest value for pupils. That is thinking about the thinking of those small humans, both when they're in front of you and when you're doing that planning and crafting and adapting and modifying um, so that what it is you're teaching them allows them to move on to the next stage, learn the next skill, grasp the next concept. And um, the debate becomes a little binary because I don't think it's either we leave teachers to do all of this stuff, everything from scratch. Like we found just a really good picture of a glacier and we've put it in a really easy to use PowerPoint. And like you can use a different one if you want. But if that saves you a bit of time, yeah. like all, all, all power to your elbow. The other thing that we all also know is that seeing models is a good thing. So the another an analogy that we use is the bake-off. If you remember the technical challenge years ago, the reason that that was really uh, exciting for the viewer is because you got to watch these expert bakers have no idea what this final cake was supposed to look like. And what we've been able to do around that curricula is put uh, resources, videos, explanations from the teachers who've made them that say, a bit like Mary and Paul do in the tent, look, here's what my version of a good one looks like. Here are some of the processes and features that went into it. And if you're a primary school, you know, I'm from Cumbria, and um, we have lots of very small rural primary schools, two teachers, you might be the subject lead for four or five subjects. It's quite difficult beyond some of those big subjects to see an example of what a really good one looks like from one of your peers. And so we're hoping to reveal that as well. So two analogies to leave you with. We are not about making cups of tea. We're about making tea bags. And um, we will always be about that. Everything will be free, optional, adaptable. It's absolutely uh, fundamental. The second thing is we're trying to reveal what other experts in the system are doing and bring that to the fore so that other teachers can see it and they can ignore it and they can disagree. And, you know, you're, we're already seeing uh, disagreement from our new curriculum sequences that we launched today because you would have chosen this Shakespeare play, not that Shakespeare play. And that's a good thing. And that's the debate we should be having. Yes, I was looking at the sequencing stuff on the train uh, and I can see you are explicitly saying there are different ways of doing this, but here, here are your possibilities, as it were. So in that sense, what you would argue is that it's helping to professionalise rather than deprofessionalise teachers by, by giving them access to things they might not otherwise get to see. My whole career in education has been about empowering, professionalising, developing the expertise of teachers. Before the pandemic came along, I was involved in advocating for, designing, thinking about what really great professional development looks like. And um, in the school where I'm a chair of governors, I continue to be a big advocate for that. On the trustee board, uh, which I do, I continue to be an advocate for that. Um, teaching isn't going to get better by having less expert teachers or less professional teachers in the classroom. We've just got to be careful about not confusing professionalisation with collaboration where we can see what other people are doing really well, bring that to the fore and actually just make our own decisions. Um, uh, you know, teachers use us, teachers don't use us. Like, 
both of those choices are the right one. Yeah. They should take two, two or three more quick questions, if that's okay. So one of the reasons that there would have been scepticism, right, when you uh, continue post-pandemic and you get an endorsement from the DfE and money from the DfE is people think, hang on a minute, there's a kind of conspiracy here going on that those people in Westminster are essentially saying this is how you should teach a particular subject. And it's important, I think, we just spell out what... what the decision was around governance of that, how you became arm's length body. Can you just explain that to us? Yeah, sure. Um, and I totally understand that, that scepticism. And in a way, like why today is so exciting is we're able to demonstrate rather than just say that we're going to. And that was always something you and I spoke about. You know, well, the yeah. sort of proof's going to be in the pudding here, right? Um, and, and I'm hoping today you can see that the, that the proof's in the pudding. Um, one of the things that's difficult when you do a big grassroots random uh, collaboration thing that's really loose in the middle of a pandemic um, that then becomes something that's useful for schools um, is that you have to put it on a long-term footing and you have to make a decision, therefore, about what its governance and its structures look like. The thing that was really important for me was that it continued to be available and it continued to be free at the point of use for schools and teachers. And what that leads you to is a model of public ownership. Now, I have no issue uh, with public ownership and the public provision of public services. Um, I'm very pro that. Um, but I um, understand that when you get a public body that's close to central government in relation to the curriculum, that creates a tension. Um, we are, therefore, an independent arm's length body. If you go onto our website, you can see our articles. And in those articles, this is really clearly and explicitly set out that the decisions that we make in relation to the curriculum are made by uh, Oaks Partnership is probably a better way of describing it. Uh, I have a very small number of staff until I have one English lead, but he works really closely with two groups of schools, one who does our primary English, one who does our secondary English, um, and they together work with our expert group of uh, English teachers, which is a combination of subject associations, and then we recruited a little army of uh, expert English teachers from across the country. They, between them, have spent months debating and deliberating, should it be Othello, should it be Macbeth, which order should those two things be in, and it's ultimately their decision in that space, what is and isn't included, what the sequence is and isn't. And um, you know, within the bounds of the national curriculum, like that is a good and perfectly legitimate debate. And I am fully expecting today loads of teachers to take a look at that and see things maybe that they haven't seen before. Maybe they're trying to figure out how to connect these two ideas together and we might be able to help. And um, complete disagreement that the quintessential Shakespearean tragedy is Macbeth and, uh, you know, not Romeo and Juliet. Just take on a couple of other points about people who, I mean, my default mode is always snarky. Jeff is always snarky, right? Uh, but there are other people who express reservations, publishers, for example, uh, people who are involved in AI and the tech world, and they see that what you're doing is stepping into the AI world. What, what would you say to, to them who might see you as a kind of institutional threat? So we are incredibly grateful to the UK publishing industry because the curriculum that we've shared today like, isn't possible without their support and collaboration. Um, they have given us permissions for teachers in schools to access text and pictures and music and all kinds, of, uh, all kinds of other things. And it's really important, and they are making this case, and we believe that case, that organisations and institutions, particularly in relation to AI, need to respect the rights of you know, copyright permissions owners, um, you know, you'll see big battles raging in the US now about this particular topic. Um, so all of our third party content, we go to those publishers, we work closely with them, we make an arrangement and we pay appropriately for, for, for the use of that um, IP. Um, 
The second thing to say is we know that there are really good quality uh, providers out in the system that offer something a little bit different uh, to what we offer in some uh, subjects. And I say some subjects because I do think some of the smaller subjects get a little bit of a raw deal. I care a lot about art and design. I care a lot about design technology. I care a lot about citizenship. And the schools are increasingly concerned about RSHE. Those are the subjects that are less well served uh, by the market. The other thing to say is, and this will be absolutely no surprise to you, virtually 0% in our evaluation, 0.3% of teachers exclusively come to Oak National Academy. Teachers, by their very nature, uh, you know, we use the internal term of cherry picking, yeah. they go around and they take a look and they take from different places and combine, which again, is exactly the sorts of professional behaviours that we'd expect to see. In fact, we see it more, unsurprisingly, in more experienced teachers who know what it is that they're looking for and are able to pin those things together. Yeah, uh, just keeping that mission creep theme going there, just, just take the AI bit because there will be people who will be doing all kinds of resources in terms of AI and who will say well hang on a minute why is it that that now becomes an appropriate area for you to step into? So it's it's really early days in relation to, to artificial intelligence and yeah. we're seeing lots of interesting things come out. I think you know that point that I mentioned earlier about um, the proper respecting of copyright permissions is, is really important and pertinent in this space. And actually, one of the things that we might be able to make a contribution to is that all of our curricular materials are on open government license, with the exception of those that include that third party copyright. And what that means is that those in the edtech industry who are wanting to get their models to learn from content in an appropriate and legal way have the resources to do that and can build off and adapt and actually those technology providers who are further ahead on AI might be able to and want to use remix adapt some of those resources into their products so we're hoping to be a resource for all of the sector to look at we're also working on how we signpost teachers through our platform to a range of options so it's not just the oak curriculum that you're seeing it's two or three others um, and so you can see compare and contrast make choices cherry pick blend them together Great. Final point. In all of this and in our statement today, what we will have lost, I think, is a sense of some really exciting stuff happening today, including around diversity. Just t talk us through what it is that you've been uh, publishing today. So uh, today, so th th three things really happening over the past two weeks. Uh, first thing today, uh, we have uh, launched curricula and our first set of lessons in six subjects, English, math, science, history, geography, music. Um, Lessons associated that curriculum will then roll out over the course of this year. Unfortunately, we're not doing 10,000 in three, three weeks this time. To get them up to the right quality bar takes a little bit longer. And so they'll roll out over the course of, uh, of this year and those packages will be complete by the end of the academic year. Uh, call to action here is go on, poke around, take a look, give us some feedback, see what you think. We've been working with lots of teachers testing this stuff, but this is the first time it's gone out to the big wide world. And we uh, have always and will continue to always thrive on that feedback. Second thing, last week, um, we have started the process of finding partners from across the system in our next batch of subjects. Here is the test. Can I remember them all? Um, modern foreign languages, RE, citizenship, RSHE, art and design, design technology, which includes food technology, 
and computing. I think that's eight and I think I've remembered them all. So if you are a school that thinks it has an excellent curriculum in any of those areas and wants funded work to step forward and share that with your colleagues, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can talk to some of the schools that we're currently working with uh, and they can, give you a, they can give you a reference for us. Um, but this works when we draw the best from the system and share it with everybody to adapt and play with and download. And so if you're interested in those subjects, you can find that on the, the DfE's procurement portal. Um, and then the third thing that we did was we published our evaluation last week. Again, we're really pleased with the results of that. Uh, about 40% of teachers who are coming to us find that we're reducing their workload by about four hours a week. Another bunch of teachers who come to us for curriculum design say to us this is helping to improve their confidence in the curriculum in their school. And crucially, um, users, our users tell us that their well-being is better than non-users and they tell us they're more likely to stay in teaching. Like, happy teachers who are feeling more expert, who want to stay in teaching with a more manageable workload, mm -hmm. like is a, is a good contribution. Yeah. We're no silver bullet. We're not going to solve all of the challenges that the system is facing. I know those from being a governor and a trustee inside and out, but I think we're making like a good contribution in an area where we can. And I hope what we've demonstrated and put to bed is some of those worries about interference and control, which I share. Um, and, you know, that was always going to be in us demonstrating it rather than saying that we're going to do it. Matt, as ever, I just appreciate being able to have a full and frank conversation and you so clearly explaining where you are and where you've come from. Thanks very much. Thank you. The Askell Leadership Podcast with Jeff Barton.